0: as alaikum. In this video, we're going to talk about do you owe zakat on stocks? The opinion I'm going to express is the result of my own HTHAT, which is not necessarily the most common opinion, but neither was my opinion on insurance when I first shared it, but now it is much more common. The first thing to check when you're producing any type of HTHAT is whether or not the topic in question is even a candidate for HTHAT. That is, have either Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or his messenger, peace be upon him, already addressed the matter in question? For example, if someone comes to you and says, oh, well, here's my ijtihad on alcohol, and whether or not alcohol is haram, the proper response is to just completely disregard their ijtihad and call the Taliban on them. With the exception to the types of causes it is acceptable to pay zakat on, the topic of zakat in the Quran is mentioned as an aggregate principle without much detail. The Qur'an does not give rates, nisab, kinds of wealth that are zakatable, or the conditions of zakatability. The sunnah, verbal and practical, provides the details we need for zakat. Abu Dawood reports that a man told the companion Amran bin Hussain, O oh, Aba and do you tell us sayings that we do not find in the Qur'an. Imran was upset and told the man, Did you find on each 40 dirhams, one dirham is obligated? On each so and so goats, one goat is obligated. On each so and so camels, this much is obligated. Did you find all that in the Quran? The man answered, No. Then Imran said, Where did you get these from? You took them from us and we got them from the Prophet, peace be upon him. And then he mentioned other similar matters. Side note here for people who say we are Quraniyun, we don't take what the Prophet peace be upon him said, because we're intellectually lazy and we don't want to do the work that is required to figure out which hadith are authentic and which aren't, ask them how do they pray and how do they pay zakat? And while they are giving their cockamamie answers, call the Taliban on them. Now back to the topic of this video, which is do you owe zakat on stocks? I'm not gonna lead with my answer because it's important for you to understand my reasoning for my answer. And it took a lot of effort for me to research this topic, so if you appreciate this effort, then kindly leave a like, subscribe if you want to get more value, learn about halal investing and Islamic finance. The details of Zakat payments come from the Sunnah, and at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there were no publicly traded equities or stocks, and therefore we can be confident that there was no direct addressing of this topic by the Prophet. Peace be upon him, and therefore some hat is required in order to answer the question of whether or not zakat is owed on stocks. And so now that we understand that this question is even subject to H D H, let's educate ourselves on what are zakatable assets. So as per the majority of scholarship on the topic, there are four attributes that make an asset zakatable. Number one, ownership and control. So you don't pay zakat on air because you can't own it. You don't pay zakat on a lost item because you don't have control of it number two nisab and this is just the minimum amount requirement so if we're talking about camels anything less than five camels you don't owe any zakat on for sheep the number is 40 for gold around 87 grams for silver it's around 612 grams each asset class has a different nisab the third condition is al-hawl so 12 full lunar months Should pass from the beginning of ownership or the latest due date of zakat for zakat to be owed again on the same class of assets that you own. There are some exceptions to this rule, which include crops, fruits, honey, extracted minerals, and found treasure. So far, these conditions can be met with stocks, no problem. You can have ownership and control, you can have nisab, and haul can pass on your stocks. The issue is with this fourth condition that some scholars have described as growth or the potential to grow. I'm not really a fan of this description and we'll see why later. The scholars that advocate for this condition of growth or the potential to grow observed that the Prophet, peace be upon him, did not obligate zakat on assets which were obtained for personal use. As indicated by the correct hadith, a Muslim is not zakatable for his or her mayor or his or her servant. Therefore, the conclusion was that the Prophet, peace be upon him, did not impose Zakat except on growing assets that were either growing or had the potential to grow. So looking at the assets that the Prophet, peace be upon him, did impose Zakat on, they included livestock such as camels, cows, sheep, gold and silver were used as money, crops and fruits such as wheat, barley, dates and raisins, honey, Treasures and minerals hidden underground by ancients or minerals stored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside and on the surface of the earth. The condition of growth with respect to the scholars that used this condition is not really a well-defined condition. I don't think it really covers what we mean to say. I think we can do better. This is because the things that the Prophet, peace be upon him, imposed zakat on cannot be described as growth assets really. The harvest from crops is not meant for growth. It doesn't have the potential for growth. It is meant for consumption, and yet, Zakatable on the day of harvest. Treasures and minerals hidden underground are not growth assets. They are actually quite static in their quantities. Gold and silver, they don't grow on their own. I understand they have the potential to grow if you add effort and trade, and perhaps that works out, perhaps it doesn't. But I wouldn't really describe them as as growth assets, neither is honey, for example. That's not a growth asset, it's not gonna grow. And yet Zakat was imposed on it. You have to really stretch the meaning of growth so much to fit all the categories of assets that the Prophet peace be upon, him imposed Zakat on that it actually becomes not useful to use that condition. In fact, I would argue the ability to grow makes the requirement for Zakat more distant. So when something is growing or has the potential to grow, al hawl becomes required before zakat is owed on it. On the other hand, when no growth is expected and the asset has basically reached its potential, like harvested crops, the requirement for zakat becomes immediate. So this condition is actually closer to being the opposite of what is right than actually being right. So I suggest that we replace this condition with something more accurate. That is actually common between all the things that the Prophet, peace be upon him, imposed zakat on. A more accurate condition than growth, in my assessment, is idleness, or another way to say this is a lack of usefulness. I think this condition applies to everything that the Prophet, peace be upon him, obligated zakat to be paid on. That is, everything that was zakatable at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was not being useful in its current form. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said a Muslim is not zakatable for his or her mayor or his or her servant because value was being extracted from these things. Livestock that isn't slated for the owner's consumption is not really useful to anyone. Cash, gold, silver sitting idly, regardless of whether it is considered a business asset or savings, it's not useful to anyone. Crops and fruit that are not slated for personal consumption in the near term are not useful to their owner. Minerals and treasures in the ground are not providing any usefulness. Neither the owner of the assets nor society at large was ever extracting any usefulness from any of the assets that the prophet, peace be upon him, imposed zakat on. And I could find no exceptions to this rule. And this actually makes a lot of sense since it is to the benefit of society to make sure idle wealth does not remain idle. It also makes sense since the government is tasked with collecting wealth in an Islamic state and charities if an Islamic state doesn't exist, and the government is less efficient than the private sector at producing usefulness, extracting usefulness from assets. Therefore, the only time Islam would mandate the transfer of control of some wealth to the government is if the private sector wasn't putting it to use at all. Therefore, I think the fourth condition for an asset to be zakatable is better described as that asset being idle or not producing any usefulness. As mentioned, I could find no instances where the Prophet peace be upon him ordered zakat to be paid on an asset that was being employed in a useful manner. If I missed it, and there is an example of this, then feel free to let me know. And I would say in application of this condition, Muslims since the early stages exempted animals used for personal transportation, homes inhabited by the owner, tools for professionals, household furniture from zakat. They exempted these things from zakat. Why? Not because they couldn't grow, rather because they were already being useful. So to summarize, a zakatable asset is anything that can be considered wealth, which is owned, controlled, meets a certain minimum amount, generally has been held for one lunar year and is not being useful. It's idle. So now that we understand what qualifies as is a capital asset, let's look at stocks. Stocks, as we mentioned, meet the first three conditions. But are they useful in their current form? Do they meet the fourth condition? This is what we need to answer and what will determine whether stocks are use assets or not. To answer this question, are stocks useful to anyone or not? Let's answer the question, what are stocks? I think the common understanding people have of stocks is that they are shares of businesses. However, contrary to popular belief, stockholders don't actually own any of the company's assets. If the stockholder goes bankrupt, the stockholders lenders can't liquidate any of the company's assets on the other hand the stockholder is not indebted with any of the company's liabilities if the company goes bankrupt the company's lenders can't go after the stockholder's assets so it doesn't make any sense to say that investors owe Zakat on the Zakatable assets of the company because the stockholder doesn't have any ownership or control of these assets So the position that zakat should be paid in proportion to the amount of zakatable assets the company holds is clearly wrong and can be easily dismissed, at least in my assessment. So what do stockholders own? Well, stockholders own rights. These rights generally include the right to vote on key company matters, receive dividends if the company chooses to pay them out, sell their stocks, And number four, they have a residual claim. So if a company is liquidated, then stockholders have a claim on any of the remaining assets after all debts are paid. And common stockholders are the last in line. So they get paid last. In most cases, they won't get anything. So is ownership of these rights providing any usefulness or can it be considered idle wealth? The answer to this question determines the answer to the question, is Zakat owed on stocks? Well... The societal usefulness of stocks beyond the potential to enrich the owner can be summarized as Number one, giving companies the funds they need to continue and expand operations. And number two, rewarding ownership, management, and employees. Management especially is often paid with stocks or options to buy stock. And growth in the stock's price, which is usually a function of a growth in earnings, that is a growth in the value that the market assigns to the goods and services that the company produces. Growth in the price of stocks rewards management for making the company more useful to society. Helping expand the operations of companies that are producing halal products and services, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be invested, and have a net positive impact. Again, otherwise, we wouldn't be invested. By the way, check out my course if you want to learn halal investing and how to screen stocks. Rewarding management for growing the value these companies produce is useful. Therefore, the money that is invested in the stock market is not idle wealth, in my assessment. Imposing zakat on stocks would be a break from the prophetic tradition of never imposing zakat on an asset that was being useful in its current form. Further, I would argue that for-profit companies are far more essential to society than charities are. Uh, Theoretically, what charities need to do to survive is to convince their donors that they are doing something useful. This is sometimes true and sometimes it's not. Companies, on the other hand, need to actually produce and sell something that is actually useful to survive. You could theoretically have a functioning society with zero charities. There would be needs on the margin. This is why zakat is required in Islam. But the majority of society would still manage. You can't have a functioning society without for-profit businesses. Everyone would be impoverished. Every individual would have to provide for themselves, basically. Reducing support for useful businesses in favor of increasing it for charity seems to me like taking support away from the most efficient societal enterprises and giving it to the less efficient. So from the aforementioned, specifically since the fourth condition, that is the wealth needs to be idle and not useful in its current form, since this condition is not met with stocks, I don't think zakat is owed on stocks. Now you may be asking, well, if this is true, won't all Muslims just hide their money away in stocks? Well, the main purpose or one of the main purposes of Zakat is to ensure money is not sitting around idly without producing any value. So if people are motivated to invest their money in useful companies in order to avoid Zakat, it will have served its purpose of making sure money isn't sitting around idly. Moreover, the variability of stocks is around 20% per year on average hiding your money in an asset that is liable to drop 20% any given year in order to avoid 2.5% doesn't seem like an attractive option for someone who wasn't serious about trying to grow their wealth and was trying to hoard it instead. And I should say something about this topic. Any action you do to cheat the system of zakat it is as if you didn't do that thing so for example let's say you were holding cash for an entire lunar year and right before the lunar year lapsed, you wanted to avoid paying zakat so you bought uh, stocks and then you sold them right almost immediately in order for the lunar year not to pass on your cash then it is as if you didn't do that thing so in terms of your obligation to pay zakat. So you can't really, don't play games with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have stocks held as you're serious about holding them as investments, then this is something that I think is exempt from zakat. If your purpose, if your intention is to cheat the system in the way that I described, then it is as if you didn't do anything and you owe zakat on the money that you had and were trying to to game the system basically. Now, you may be wondering, well, is zakat enough to support the eight categories that zakat is to be spent on if stocks are excluded? Well, I think it would be enough on account that the pattern of imposing zakat that the Prophet, peace be upon him, followed excluded productive wealth so that means that if we follow this then we should have enough to support these categories so to summarize i know of no instances where zakat was imposed by the Prophet peace be upon him on productive assets you're welcome to correct me in the comments if i'm wrong about this assuming stocks are indeed productive assets it is my assessment that stocks do not qualify as zakatable assets This position conforms with my understanding of one of the main purposes of zakat, which is to discourage wealth sitting idly and encourage its employment in a useful manner. It also conforms with my understanding of the hierarchy of efficiency in an economy, with idle wealth being the least productive, followed by not-for-profits, which include charities and the government followed by for-profit businesses, which are the most efficient since their survival depends on it. The job of any economic system is to funnel money from the least efficient form to the most efficient. Zakat takes idle money and it gives it to government in an Islamic State or charities where no Islamic State exists. It then goes to the classes of people that are likely to spend it immediately with for-profit businesses, who then employ this wealth to create more value. Imposing zakat on stocks would be taking wealth from the more efficient for-profits and funneling it to less efficient government or non-profits, which seem contrary to society's interests. If you think I said something wrong, then please share your opinion. I encourage you to do so in the comments. This is my assessment today. It's liable to change based on evidence, in which case I will take down this video and upload a new one. If you heard someone else make a stronger argument for why zakat is indeed owed on stocks, then you have an obligation to describe my opinion and go with that other person's opinion. I'm just trying my best to ascertain the truth of the matter in spite of my natural cognitive biases and limitations, which we all have as humans. May Allah forgive me if I made a mistake. He does indeed know best. Leave a like if you liked Subscribe for more with Salam.